So, I'm Julia, I think most of you know me, and today we're looking at the story of five brave women from the Old Testament book of Numbers. They were daughters of a man called Zelophehad from the Israelite tribe of Manasseh. The Israelites had been delivered by God out of slavery in Egypt with the help of Moses, and at this point in the story, they are just about to enter the promised land. God had asked Moses to take a census of all the Israelite men over the age of 20, so that land could be divided up according to the size of each family. It was a patriarchal society, and so the laws of inheritance meant that only sons could inherit land. So if a man died without sons, his daughters would inherit nothing. Let's read from Numbers chapter 27, 1 to 11. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They came forward and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders, and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to have the force of law for the Israelites, as the Lord commanded Moses. I think it's hard for us to imagine today the amount of courage required for women at that time to challenge the patriarchal society they lived in. I suppose the equivalent today would be for a group of women in Afghanistan to approach the ruling men in the Taliban to appeal for justice, for them to receive an education and to be able to walk down the street unaccompanied by a male relative. It's hard for us in our liberal society to imagine having no rights at all, but there is much for us to learn about trusting God and acting in faith from looking at their story. I want to talk about their courageous faith and how these women demonstrated a confidence and trust in the justice and goodness of God. When they realized they were going to miss out on any portion of land because they were daughters and not sons, 
They didn't moan, complain, or act like victims by feeling sorry for themselves, nor were they paralyzed by fear. They acted instead with great faith. Neither did they rush into hasty marriages, which would, would have saved them from destitution. Instead, they trusted their leader, Moses, and they trusted God to resolve their difficulty. They seemed to have a very clear and bold belief that their leader would listen to them and act justly. First, they cleared their father's name by reminding Moses that he had not taken part in a rebellion against Moses, but that he had nonetheless died in the desert without any sons. They then stated their case plainly and asked if they could have their father's inheritance. Now Moses could have cited the laws of inheritance to them and sent them away, but instead he listened to them, he had compassion on them, and he took their request to God. In churches, we sometimes have traditions, rituals, and ways of doing things that are not helpful to some people. So let's always be willing to listen to people who feel they are being treated unfairly and take their requests to God before passing judgment according to the normal way of handling things. Let's also pray for our leaders that they will seek the Lord about what is just and right in tricky situations for which there is the potential for upset or overthrowing of tradition. When Moses asks God to what to do about the women's request, God immediately responds and says that the women are right and that they should be allowed to inherit their father's property. And furthermore, this was to be enshrined in law. In verse 8 of the passage we read, it says, If a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. In such a patriarchal society, this response from God is extraordinary and shows us that God is always true to his nature of being a God of fairness and justice. We can trust that God will always judge rightly in situations of unfairness, regardless of who we are in society's eyes. Through their faith and courage, these women brought about a change in the law so that they and other women in the future could inherit land and property. An amazing result. So what can we learn from this story? The name Zelophehad means protection against fear. And what is it that protects us from fear? It is our faith and trust in the goodness of God. These women trusted in God's provision for them, but they had to act courageously to receive it. I don't know if any of you saw the film on Netflix of the life story of Harriet Tubman, who was born into slavery in 1820. She had great faith in God and in the belief that God would help her to escape from slavery. She did indeed miraculously escape, and she subsequently carried out 13 missions to rescue dozens of other slaves using an anti-slavery network of Christian acti activists and safe houses known as the Underground Railroad. The film depicts very clearly her unshakable faith in the justice of God 
and her strong belief that God would help her to rescue other people from slavery. She was incredibly brave and risked her own life and freedom many times to save others. Her nickname was Moses because she set people free. Later, she continued to work from a base in Canada, helping to free hundreds of slaves during and after the Civil War. And she was a staunch campaigner for women's suffrage and women's rights. Like the daughters of Zelophehad, she trusted in God and asked for things to change. And God honored her courageous faith, but she had to take action based on her trust in the goodness of God. The New Testament book of James teaches us that faith without works is no faith at all. James 2 verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is a huge challenge to us to step up and do something when we see injustice. Words and empty gestures are cheap and without power. Real Christian faith is about trusting God and acting bravely to bring about real change. Is there a cause or oppressed group of people for whom God wants you to act? I used to live in Solihull, and for seven years I worked part-time as a volunteer counsellor in a centre for women in crisis. It involved a lot of listening, praying and action to bring help and healing into these women's lives. We started the Family Support Centre, as it is now called, because a woman in our church called Maureen was concerned for women in crisis, and a small group of us met to pray and ask God what he wanted us to do. We felt God was telling us to do something to help these women, and our church leaders agreed with us. Over the next couple of years, we did some counselling training and asked our church leaders if we could use an empty house owned by the church as our centre. The building was in terrible condition, but with help from others in the church, we got it looking presentable and it became our base. This is Shirley Baptist Church in Solihull. 22 years later, the Family Support Centre is still going strong and has been a place of healing for many women and families. It is an amazing testimony of the goodness of God and how faith and action work together to reveal God's heart of love towards those who are struggling. Is there something God is calling you to get involved in with which demonstrates your trust in his goodness and faithfulness and which will make a positive difference to the lives of others? The daughters of Zelophehad had faith that they were rightful heirs of God's promises. God had promised the Israelites that he would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a great inheritance, a land of peace and plenty where they and their families could thrive. We too must have faith in God's promises to us that we are his children, that we are heirs of his kingdom of love and grace and that our inheritance is eternal life. Listen to these wonderful promises describing our inheritance. This is from Galatians. You're all sons of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you're not sure whether you, are, whether you belong to Christ, please speak to me or your small group leader today and we can help you. If you have never been baptized, please do ask about that too, as baptism is a wonderful way, and it's God's way, of starting your new life in Christ. I was baptized as an adult when I was 19, and it was a wonderful way of establishing a new life in Christ and a fresh start to my life. If you're thinking of baptism or confirmation, don't delay. These wonderful verses from 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 describe our eternal inheritance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Our eternal relationship with God can never be spoiled because he is keeping us in his love and goodness always. What a wonderful promise. Jesus told us that he is going to prepare a place for us in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus promises that when we die, he will come and get us to be with him in heaven, forever in his perfect love and care. This world is not our eternal home. We are just passing through, and that should affect the way we live. Our lifestyle, our aims, our ambitions and how we spend our time. Are we prioritizing things that are important to God? Are we building the kingdom of God or our own kingdoms? Are we investing time and energy in things that are important to God? Are there things that we're doing that are not bad in themselves, but are crowding out more important things? These are questions we all need to ask ourselves regularly. The daughters of Zelophehad showed wisdom and humility and had faith that they could be used by God to bring about change. They didn't rebel or form a protest group or angrily demand their rights. They took their request to Moses, who also acted with wisdom and humility by going straight to God with an open mind and asking God his opinion. We're in the privileged position of having the Bible, which is God's word to us, to instruct us and help us to live justly and mercifully. We also have the privilege of going to God directly through prayer to determine what is right in God's eyes. But it's also wise to consult our leaders and to pray that both we and they will have humility to seek to listen to what God is saying in any given situation. In Micah 6, verse 8, we have a perfect summary of the lessons of Zelophehad's daughters. 
We are to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything you need will be given to you as well.